0: dead headspace you can find us on itunes spotify stitcher and all other major platforms i'm your host patrick r mcdonough and today my co-host brendan lafaro couldn't be with us he'll return next week folks today we're talking with author and podcaster matt Wildison. matt how is it going hey guys how's it going or, um, or i should say guy <laughs> <Because> brendan's <laughs> not here today what got you into horror me oh
1: geez I think I, I've I think I, I did a review of this once before for uh, a couple other places. I uh, I was asked this, but in the gist of it, it all started when I was a kid. I think I, to this day I still can't remember the first horror movie I watched that literally scared the living shit out of me. And if I found it again, I would probably laugh myself to death just because it's probably a crappy B movie that is not <laughs> scary whatsoever. Yeah. but. Uh, I, I just remember being afraid and for some reason that was like, I was really interested in that because at that moment in my life, it was kind of like a, a an emotion I hadn't felt before. And it was just, or, or at least to my recollection at that time, I don't remember being afraid like when I was a baby and stuff, but it was just interesting. And as I went through life and I was like, well, there's horror movies and you know, oh, I wonder if there's like books. Cause I was like really into reading when I was young and then like, it was like scary stories came around.
0: Oh, scary stories of telling of dark.
1: Yeah, because c- it was like you know, I, I know, I'm. They probably had this when you were in school too. It was like the scholastic book fairs. I love those. Yeah, that that's where I ran into those first, and like I saw those, and they were like next to Goosebump books, and like Goosebump books were fine. I read them, but like for some reason, scary stories. I was like, these look like they're like the hardcore shit like yeah let, let's get into those and yeah. at the, you know in retrospect they, they were like really both at the same level <laughs> but the illustrations themselves they are creepy as all hell oh right. my god steve gamble's art was amazing in those books yeah and yeah like he he does have some art out there that never got into those books and like i always wanted to own like an actual print or like a, a copy of something he drew but i don't think i ever will but yeah, the, like those books got me into it. And then I started reading Stephen King, as most people seem to do yeah, uh, when they get older. And I think the first Stephen King book I read was Cujo. OK, which at the time resonated to me a lot because I I was very scared of big dogs. And my neighbor down the street had a St. Bernard. So reading that book, having that living down the street. And I'm just like, so are these kind of dogs? Well, they just go nuts whenever, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I got into King was reading King for a while. And you know, then like I found other people like Charles Grant and Coons, and, you know, I, I, I didn't know much about Brian Keene till later in my life, obviously, but I, I wish I would have come across his books when I was younger. Cause I think it would have, uh, it would have molded me even a little bit more differently than it had uh, just reading those other guys. But Yeah, it's, I I love horror because it's one of those genres that I feel like transcends every other genre. You can seamlessly fit anything into it. Sure. You know, and it it just, you know, people like, oh, well, you know, that's not horror, that's sci-fi. And it's like, well, you know, sci-fi in terms of things can be horror as well. There can be romantic horrors. There's horror, great horror comedies out there. Actually, there's tons of them, you know, and that's what I always loved about it because you can always have those other things inside of horror, but at the end of the day, being scared, I feel is like one of those emotions. That's like so cool, you know, Uh, because it's like, you can be in love and you know, you have those heart flutters and that that's all great, but like feeling scared and feeling vulnerable. And like you, you have that feeling that, you know, you don't get anywhere else. That's, that's what I love about it.
0: Th- that's kind of what got me into it too. Um, are you a '90s kid? I-, I think we're similar in age. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up in the '90s. Um, so I'm 31. Are we close? Uh, I've got six years on you, but <laughs> okay. Well, it's still fair to say we experienced probably a lot of the same things. And yeah, yeah. I just from I don't know. Is Spencer's was that big in PA? I mean,
1: we had one. <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of one of those stores where you, you kind of go in and you're like, well, I I don't know if I should go on the left side of the store because that looks like a bunch of stuff I'm not allowed to buy yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, asked, I, asked, I, asked, yeah. I asked because uh, there was one in my local mall uh, that I went to all the time as a kid. I, I wasn't a mall rep, but uh, I certainly went a lot to get CDs, DVDs, and uh, I don't know what else, probably toys, uh, like K- KB Toys, uh, Toys R Us but oh hell yeah i I remember at spencer's there was this chucky i i want to say it was probably the bride of chucky but maybe maybe that's way too late but I, i remember there was a chucky doll and that would scare the shit out of me and i just always found myself like having to go back in that one aisle i'm like it's creepy right it's like it draws you in even though you don't want to be near it (laughs) and i remember just also when i'm a kid uh uh, you know where i grew up i grew up in this town called bridgewater massachusetts and there's this thing called the bridgewater triangle and um like it's 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 full of all this weird shit and i didn't realize until i was older but i'm thinking you know what all the tales and native the wampanoag indians and all these other weird UFO sightings, quote-unquote, uh, the Grassman or Bigfoot. It, it's just – it makes sense why I like this shit. Yeah. And, oh, my god. I am – like, since you brought
1: up, like, uh, cryptid stuff and, like, haunted – like, I am so into that shit.
0: i like, it's tell. not even funny. <laughs> no, I could tell reading uh, your, your debut collection, Edge of Twilight.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a good bit of stuff in there that deals with uh, that was after I wrote that and I put it all together, like mi- mixing where I wanted which story to be. I was like, I wrote a lot of shit about hiking. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot of stories about being in the middle of the woods in this book, but uh, that's always hiking has been a passion of mine. But um, yeah, I've always really been in the cryptids, although I, there, there are some of them that I will fully admit aren't plausibly able to exist but (laughs) the 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 idea behind them still really fascinating at least um with pennsylvania uh i think we rank third in like sasquatch sightings or something like that um now you guys of course have the jersey devil down there
0: yeah so that was where the original uh bigfoot footage was was in new jersey yes that's right yeah I keep forgetting the uh, name of that footage, but I forget the town and then, yeah, I don't know the name of it, but um, the, from back, back in Bridgewater, there's this guy, uh, I forget his name, um, but he was the one that started the term Bridgewater Triangle in the seventies. And uh, the funny thing is, is me and Brennan we talked with this uh, author, Andy Cole, um, months ago, and he's from, I don't know if you're aware and anyone listening that isn't, he's from Australia and uh what? he he's like oh, i've heard of that and we started talking about that and brennan's like you know it's funny i live here and i didn't know about that until uh pat told me about it a little while ago but this guy from australia knew about it. it's kind of uh makes me feel weird <laughs>
1: it's just like you get an
0: eye opener there <laughs> what what do you think is um the most interesting cryptozoologist uh z- that's not the right word crypt did what, what word am I looking for? Cryptozoology. <laughs> I'm struggling. Uh, okay, you're you're asking me what
1: I think the most interesting cryptid is in the realm of cryptozoology. And yes, within the Pennsylvania area. Within PA, yes. Uh, PA has some really wacky ones, man. Like we <laughs> we've got like the Albat witches, which are like tiny ape creatures that live like actually not too far away from where I live. I could drive there in five minutes and like search for them if I wanted to. But, um, yeah, they're like tiny little ape creatures that live up in the mountainous regions. And you're supposed to like leave them apples and they'll steal them and stuff. Like, it, that's goofy. We're, we're supposed to have carp the size of, or not carp, like catfish the size of school buses in some of the rivers. And like, uh, what's, uh, in Raystown, there, there's an area called Raystown Lake. They're supposed to be like their own Nessie in there. They call them Raystown Ray. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I, I don't, I, you know, a, plet- a plethiosaur needs a pretty decent ecosystem, I would say. Oh yeah, and I, and I don't think a park lake's gonna do it. <laughs> not not to put down anybody from Raystown that might be listening. Like I want it to be real as shit too. Don't don't get me
0: wrong. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's how I feel about Bigfoot. Like I think that they existed. I th- they were, I believe, based off of the Gigantopithecus, which existed 100,000 yes. years ago. But I don't know, man. I think that someone in New Jersey or PA or whatever would find them by now at this point with all the technology we have. Boy, and you would think
1: out of all the people that do find one, there'd be at least one goddamn person that isn't filming it with a potato. <laughs> like... <laughs> Every major photo that comes up, it's like there's KY smeared on the lens, and I don't fucking get it. <laughs> that's
0: like those security cameras that like we got high tech security equipment, or you should. And then you see like, hey, have you seen this guy? He's pixelated, and you can't tell what race he
1: is. Yeah, it's like help us find this guy. It's like, did you put on the <laughs> the the, the, the this, like the the pixel filter? Like, are you blurring <laughs> him out? No, not th- that's the camera.
0: <laughs> the other one that I thought was interesting was uh. I don't know who actually believes this, but the megalodon is still a thing. And I listened to this one documentary where they said, let's just say for fun that he, the megalodon species, lived so far below that we couldn't see them. We can't find them yet. You got to think that there's very few. They they won't be able to eat much down there because there's not many species that live that far below the surface of uh, the ocean and they're huge this shark great whites alone eat so much goddamn food every day you know
1: yeah i mean there's that and there's also the idea of thinking about pressure that's in the water that far because most of the oh stuff that God, lives yeah. down there is like cephalopods and things of like glassy type body nature so like they can un- they can withhold the like the pressure of being that deep like i don't think a shark can do that i i <laughs> i unless some piglet the like really strong i <laughs> but then again one lost in a fight the jason statham so i don't really <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that movie i mean it was good popcorn stuff but i mean it wasn't it's
0: not on my shelf if that's gonna answer the question <laughs> now I, I i don't think um i i don't see you talking about this maybe i miss it but um do you before the pandemic did you go to the theater a lot to watch films
1: There was a point in time uh, for I I once was trying to start my own network called The Grinded Word. I had a website where I did like uh, written reviews of things and that. And a buddy of mine down the way after I started getting podcasts going, he's like, oh, I want to do a movie podcast. I was like, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Why not? Little did I know that that meant going to like the movie theater every fucking week. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that kind of got a little old after a while. Him and I got really worn down. We probably aged five years in a summer <laughs> but yeah like i was going religiously there for a while and then i just kind of stopped because I, and i don't know if it's just me getting older and getting cynical but everything fucking seems the same anymore and i just
0: don't want to put up with people oh, in the theaters anymore yeah. <laughs> yeah uh my I, I definitely get that it um irks the shit out of me when people are very loud and talking and you're like why the fuck did you come here did you come here to annoy me because that's what it feels like yeah (laughs) but but my my wife got me a regal um like a year subscription thing where i could see as many movies as i wanted for one year um so that was fun for the first like three months of this year Oh but, no! But the last the last movie I saw was amazing. It was uh, Parasite, and it came out for a few days. Oh, yeah, Parasite was fucking amazing. At least you got to see a good one before the end of the pandemic, though. Like,
1: at the, least you got to see a good movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, before that, I saw one that uh, other friends liked that I didn't care for, which was Gretel and Hansel. Um, and then I didn't see that. Yeah, like it's a retelling of Hansel and Gretel. It's like cool effects, but uh, I've seen it. You know, yeah, the, the th- last time last time I watched
1: anything with that title in it, I think it was the one where it was – they switched it around. It was Gretel and Hansel, and that was the one where it was like an action movie with Jeremy Renner in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I saw that in fucking 3D as well, mind you. So I spent the extra money to be upset when I walked out of the theater that day.
0: <laughs> and then the only other one I remember was uh, Underwater, I think, with Kirsten, Kristen Dunce. No, yeah, not no. Kristen Dunce,
1: Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart, yeah. yeah, I
0: I rented that
1: at home. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, a lot of people were kind of miffed by, you know, the creature reveal at the end. And I, I don't know if if it's spoilers or not by now, but you know, it's it's the it's the great one, you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that was really cool to see a Lovecraft uh, reference in a in a major film.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it took me completely by surprise. Like when there's that scene where you see all the I guess his follower type squid people like suck up into the pores of his arm and his arm just pulls away. (laughs) I'm looking at it. And in my head, I'm like, "Nah, they didn't have the balls to do that. Did they (laughs) like, no one puts this guy on screen. Did they seriously do this?
0: And they did a good job.
1: Yeah. It looked like him. Like the only thing I was like, he doesn't have wings. So I wonder if that's playing into something where like they didn't kill him. And maybe this uh, – when that nuclear explosion goes off, it kind of mutates him in some sort of way. I, I don't know. I mean that would be a really shitty thing to do. But then again, Hollywood does stuff like that all the time.
0: So <laughs> we're, I don't know. We're, I I listen to a lot of podcasts. I feel like this is right. But weren't you guys on Brian uh, – Brian Show, the horror show with Brian Keene. Weren't you guys just talking about – uh? del toro's attempts to get the mountains of madness films yeah he
1: he yeah we had talked about that a little bit uh del toro said he he will not stop until he's able to make that movie and i'm I'm like i hope they do why why not of all directors like
0: come on del toro is the guy to it's him or carpenter that i can think of for like if you're they're the two top dogs of this genre. They've proved it. They make they probably make bang for the studio. Um just everything that Del Toro does is as far as I can see as a fan is gold. I have loved it all and all his creature features and ones that have monsters and you know, Hellboy I liked Hellboy, but um they've yeah, been great. I mean, things that he
1: gets to direct that he's allowed to have visionary control of usually turn out to be really well. Like, and it does good for the studios, I think. Like, you know, when they first announced Pacific Rim, I I didn't know who was directing it. And then when they said it was him, I was like, okay, this might actually have some legs. And and who would have thought a guy that did a movie like Pan's Labyrinth is like, okay, well, now here's here's (laughs) essentially like Evangelion (laughs) on screen fighting Kaiju. And there you go. And it it fucking worked, you know, and and he's such an interesting guy because. I remember I watched the special features for that, that movie and he had like a computer layout of like the gypsy danger robot. And he's like, Oh yeah. Well, you see, if you pay attention when it like, when this part moves, this piston fires, which then shifts this gear. And like he's showing like the process that he made these animators go through to make it look as authentic as it possibly
0: could down to like the gears and stuff. Yeah, he's he's a he's a true fan of what he does. Uh, yeah. What I think he grew up. I'm pretty sure I heard this correctly. He's a poor kid from Mexico. And um, I don't think I, he doesn't forget his roots. And it's people like that that end up really never, ever stopping their love for what they do.
1: Yeah, I, I would say if if you're really into him and you want to see like some of his earlier works, if you've never seen The Devil's Backbone, definitely give that a watch.
0: Was it's, that the uh, first film feature? The first feature film that he did, I believe so. It's in
1: Spanish, mm. so you will have to have subtitles on. So I'm sorry if you don't like
0: reading, but you know, um, <laughs> it's it's a good film though. You should really check it out if you haven't seen it. Back to Parasite, that was yeah. awesome with subtitles, man. I like subtitles. I like to we were just talking about this on an earlier episode. I forget with who, but like dubbing when you have something dubbed, it rips the soul out of a film. I like, I'm okay with reading because I get to experience it and I don't speak every language. I only speak English. So I want to know what they're saying. So I'm cool with that.
1: Right. I I totally agree. I I think the only exception to the, that rule with dubbing is like studio Ghibli movies because (laughs) they get like, yeah, I mean they get like, professional american actors to dub and it's cartoons so it it works you know what i mean but like i remember the first time i watched the host which was another one of that same director's movies oh i watched it with dubbing and i fucking hated it (laughs) and then like my friends like no no go back and watch it like with subtitles and it just it it worked better because like you could read it and then you look and you see the expression on the people's faces and you actually feel it more yes. than just somebody being like no please don't my son <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bong Joon-ho Bong Jun ho yeah that's his name I um, he's a fantastic director he's amazing uh for for like foreign films and I'm really just right now I gotta expand my horizon with like Italian and uh Other European films, but I'm really just focused on Asian films as far as foreign ones go. But I know there's so many other amazing ones I just haven't seen yet. But Train to Busan, Busan, I might be saying that wrong. Um, Oh yeah, Train to Busan, yeah, that's a good movie too. And Kung Fu Hustle, which I got on DVD. I love the shit out of that movie. Holy
1: shit, do I love Kung Fu Hustle?
0: That that is like
1: that is the perfect mix of martial arts and comedy. I I like. Like I, I can't think of a better movie like uh, unless you count like some Jackie Chan movies, but that's
0: just kind of like subtle comedy thrown in there. Yeah, this had like references to like Looney Tunes. Stephen Chow, I mean, that guy, I think he was the writer or director. I know he did something behind the scenes. Um, that That's a guy that's got a huge discography. Yeah. Beyond that, what kind of films do you typically like? Do you stick to horror I do tend to stick to horror. I had I just recently downloaded,
1: uh, I got like a free code for Shudder for a month, Ooh. that app, and I've been watching it almost every day because <laughs> are some films on there that I can't get easily in this country, and there's some that just are so obscure that I don't even think they got Blu-ray releases or <laughs> might not even have gotten DVD releases. But holy shit, yeah. So it, it's a really Good app if you're in the horror, and I, I've been watching a lot of movies on there, catching up on some old like English horror movies, some Italian stuff, some you know like I, I've been uh binging uh, Joe Bob's The Last Drive-In, hmm. uh, which some of the stuff he says I don't know how he gets away with in this day and age, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's grandfathered in. I yeah, literally because he's about a granddad right now too, um, but I, I'd say like horror dominates most of my picks. Now I say second probably goes to like superhero films. And just because they're more referential in this day and age, there there's just more of them. Yeah. And like, I, I used to be a huge comedy fan, like watching comedy films, but today I like, comedies aren't really that funny anymore. <laughs> and it's like, and, I'm, and not to get too political, but it's like, you do have to watch a lot of what you say nowadays.
0: That's why so, I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Fucking love Always Sunny. <laughs> they, that I'm that, not that show's re- the best. I'm not going to repeat the words they say. The last season, not the very last season, but two seasons ago, they said every every word that would get mostly everyone else that's white into a lot of trouble. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know which episode you're talking
0: about. Yeah, that's really all I can say. Or I'm definitely going to get people that are probably going to get real mad at me, and I don't blame them
1: yeah um yeah so like you you brought up a good they're good um i think uh comedy wise i i got into letter kenny what's that Uh, it's on hulu it's a show about uh basically canadian uh well it takes place in canada they're like canadian farmers but it's like you know like redneckish type level stuff but it's like they fire a million jokes off out like every 10 seconds and like everything references back to previous episodes. Like they kind of like always Sunny does. They'll start a joke and they kind of keep it. They'll go back to it later on and stuff like
0: that. So it's really funny. Speaking of Canadian funny shows, I love trailer park boys, (laughs) man. I have not seen that yet. Uh, Brian told me I should watch that and I haven't seen it yet. It's on Netflix. You can watch. So the weird thing about that show is I believe it got canceled after like eight or nine seasons. They brought it back. I think Netflix, I wanna say Netflix brought it back, but I'm not too sure. And uh, so one of the main characters died a couple years oh. ago, I think two or three years ago, and uh, it turned into an animation because they do drugs all the time and they took <laughs> they took so many <laughs> mushrooms that they saw life in an animation and now it's an animation. Uh, interesting. It's uh they got a lot of movies, they're all silly. You really it's the one of those shows where you don't have to start from the beginning you'll appreciate it more if you do okay they have tom okay so i don't know what season it is might be like season nine or ten but they have tom arnold in it where him and snoop dogg they arrive to the trailer park (laughs) they arrive to the trailer park they're in a few episodes and uh they just want to hang out with the main characters because it's a mockumentary and tom arnold wants to do all this like poor man shit and he I don't know. i Tom Arnold's very political and gets nuts, but I still think the guy's hilarious. Uh huh. And Snoop Dogg is Snoop Dogg, so it, I say know. he's Snoop Dogg in everything he does. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to start talking about Grindcast. Um, I sure. ju- I was just uh listening to your recent episode, 375. Holy shit, man! 375 yeah. episodes in what five years? Yeah, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> How about we start from the very beginning? Like, was there a podcast before? What got you into doing this? Uh, there was no podcast before.
1: Way back at five five years ago now. Um, probably soon going. on. I think it would, this coming February would be six years. I think I had like I had mentioned prior. I had started the uh the Grinded Word website where I was just doing reviews and like it was like a blog giving my thoughts on this and that random things and it was will and i uh co-host uh we've been friends since freshman year of high school so we graduated in 01 so i math wise we've been friends for 20 plus years put it that way and uh all the time in high school and uh, you know after high school we've always been like man we really need we should have a show man Like we always wanted to do like a TV show, but like, you know, land in something like that is slim to nil. But yeah, he was like, yeah, we do some kind of a show. We should do something like that. And, you know, throughout the whole all the time, I've always been thinking about it. it was always something in the back of my head. And then I just like podcasting started becoming a thing. Um, And back in the early days of podcasting, it was like you could only get them in one place and not many people really tuned in as much but it still was like gaining popularity and I was like tinkering with the ideas then and I had a friend who uh, I met him through some other friends basically and he had one and he was like showing me how it all how it all works and everything he's like oh and then and then you have to go through this bullshit process to get it on Apple and like I watched how he did that and I was like "Ah, I think I'll wait
0: (laughs) what was that process like just a Focus on this point real quick, because I only started mine uh, this year in 2020.
1: Well, I see, in this, like, my God, I don't even know if I can recall how that process went, because this was, like, 10 years ago now. Oh, shit. When, yeah, because this was, like, when it was starting, starting.
0: Yeah, that's when Kevin Smith started his, I believe, around 10 years, maybe a little longer. But, that, yeah, that was, like, the beginning.
1: Yeah. So, and, like, he's he was showing, it was just, like, all this shit with, like posting URLs and it was like, it kind of reminded me of like the early days of MySpace where you actually had to know a little HTML to get stuff to work, <laughs> work properly and everything. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like younger me, 10 year old, like younger me back then was just kind of like, eh, I'll wait till they make it a little easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't even have anybody who was going to do it with me at the time. It was just, you know, poking around, seeing what worked. So time went on and then, uh, I met, uh, Jason, the other co-host, he started working at the the restaurant I used to work at, and um, him and I got to talking, and he was really into video games like I was, and we would always talk about you know gaming and shit while we are working, and I was like, you know, I think I found my trifecta. Now I just need to figure out how to do this stuff. So I, you know, I took, I think it took me a month or so. I sat down. Figured out, you know, oh, you know, this is Audacity. This is how Audacity works. This is, you know, you should use Libsyn. This is how you get on Libsyn. This is how you edit. And like, I basically taught myself all that stuff in a couple months and then got Will and Jason in the studio and we recorded some of our first stuff. I, I Not all the episodes that we first recorded actually got on the air. Uh, One of them did. And that was one that I recorded with my laptop mic because I didn't have a mic at the time and it sounded atrocious. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. (laughs) But I was just like, eh, we'll put it up for shits and giggles. Who cares? (laughs) But yeah, then we were doing two shows a night. Oh my God. Yeah, they would come over. We record two shows in a night and we were released Monday and Friday. So it went that way for a while. Then we started doing gaming on YouTube and I was making videos for the podcast. Like we were filming it and I was editing the videos. I was editing uh, the gameplay footage like for uh, a Let's Play channel on YouTube. So we had two YouTube channels and I was editing two videos, two to three videos a week for that. And I was also editing like two episodes of audio a week and going to a full time job. And I also tried to get writing started around that time, too. So I I don't know how to let myself have downtime, which is probably (laughs) one of my biggest flaws. But, um, yeah, it went that way for a while. And, uh, then it, it just, it had to slow down. I couldn't keep up with it.
0: Yeah. And you did, uh, five days to jump ahead. Sorry for, uh, skipping years, but jumping ahead to this year, you did five in a row, five days in a row. That was actually, uh, what was eight days. Oh I took God. the week. It, I took the
1: weekends off. So <laughs> there was like one full week and then three days the following week. Um, Yeah, I did daily episodes. That was when the first sh- uh, quarantine started. It's funny to say first, because it's like, it never really ended. But when you think about it in your head of like, oh, well, now you can go do this. Oh, you can kind of do it, it. feels like you went through like 17 Jesus. different quarantine stages, but so, yeah, I did eight days of that, and I was also writing a short story a day for my uh, Facebook group, Horrors Untold, which my short story collections are named after. I was doing that, short stories, and still doing the stuff for uh, the Brian Keane Radio Network and, on the side as well. So those were crazy times, too, but it kept me sane.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I got to think, like podcasts probably – because I've heard from people – where well, they they messaged me and said that, you know, like, I needed this. Um, have you – what was your feedback been like
1: over oh, the years?
0: On, for the podcasting? Yeah. The funny thing was, and it, it
1: still kind of goes this way, like, for Grindcast, for some reason, people don't reach out to us that much. It's odd. Um, like, I will get every now and then to hear the, you know, like, oh, well, it, I'm glad that you guys do this because – you know, I'm going through some tough stuff and it makes me laugh and, I, you know, I feel better. And like I'm like, that's great. I love hearing that I'm helping people. Um, It's not that people have to re- like tell me how we're doing all the time. But in the gist of things, like when I see if Mary puts up an episode or Brian does or, you know, some other people I know that have shows like they get feedback and grindcast doesn't really get it. I don't know why I, I give out questions a lot. <laughs> Uh, we've got like two places to go to reply to us and everything, but we, we don't normally get a whole lot of feedback. And I don't know, maybe that means to me that we're just doing it right and there's no nothing
0: to complain about. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I I like listening to you guys. You three are fun. You can tell that you guys are friends and you have an easy, natural way to talk to each other. And um, there's not all always agreements and it's never – you know, bad battling <laughs> that you guys have. It's fun to listen to as a spectator. I, I do love how nicely you put that. <laughs> like, there's not always agreement. Yeah. <laughs> I particularly like, I've said this to you, but I mean, in, in the off chance that Jason does hear this or someone else, uh, maybe will. I, I don't know if they've watched home videos, the show, but for me, he sounds like Coach McGurk, the uh, oh, that's actor awesome. that's, yeah. The actor that voices for um, Archer. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, what's his name? John Benjamin. That's the actor. That's the voice actor's name. Yeah. yeah I, I told him that before. I was like, you know, you do sound like Coach McGurk, especially when you're like not you have that tone where you're just not giving a shit. I hear that all <laughs> the time when he speaks. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that's very true. Um, Maybe I should start purposely going in and slowing down his audio. So, it
0: <laughs> so do you it's, guys... Do you guys record always on um I know with the latest episode that came out yesterday or today, it wasn't all you guys aren't all in the same studio, but are you typically in the same studio? When the
1: when the quarantine happened, we weren't. Uh we were just doing it through a conference call. I just had my phone down by the mic by the near the mic. But most of the time we are all in the same studio. Uh we live near we live pretty close to each other. So, yeah, they all come over. we sit down for about an hour and a half, you know, do our do our bullshit, and, <laughs> and we hang out for a little afterwards, and that's the end of the day. Um, but yeah, we're
0: usually all in the same room. what that's pretty cool, man. what uh so Brendan lives in Massachusetts, which coincidentally that's what for, uh I, I think uh that's what first drew me to him. I just saw, hey, this guy lives near my old hometown, so oh cool um i live as you know in jersey now but yeah we're just on skype um it would be fun i like the idea of doing it live but uh how the hell am i supposed to arrange talking to someone from even even pa without the pandemic like that, that, that <laughs> yeah it sounds really hard to do and i want to talk to people all over the world um i would love it if i could just have enough money to, to fly them in Oh, man, you're so <laughs> that's a dream. Dude, that's not going to ever happen. I'm well aware of that. I mean, uh, unless you start getting that Joe Rogan money, then then maybe you can fly people in. But didn't he make like 200 million on that Spotify deal? Oh, my God. He
1: yeah, he's I think he's probably the most successful podcaster in history right now.
0: He has to be. He can talk to he talked to from Bernie Sanders to to Nail Degrass Tyson to Robert Tony junior like, come on yeah uh,
1: and some of the some of the guests he gets i'm just kind of in my head like it was like you mentioned neil degrasse tyson i'm like joe do you really think you have anything you can talk to this guy about <laughs> <laughs> I, the whole time i would just be like this guy's gonna make me look like an imbecile <laughs> oh
0: yeah i've read one of neil's books um it was astrophysics for people in a hurry it's like uh, 180 pages and it describes um the from the beginning of time and one chapter talks about the process of uh photo cells and i'm probably fucking it up but he he talks about basically <laughs> from the big bang theory um yeah and and he says and after a big like chunk he goes and this happened within a tenth of a second i'm like i can't even comprehend like a fraction of a second of what happened <laughs>
1: <laughs> the whole, right. whole book. It's, it's like this process
0: sounded like it took a week <laughs> <laughs> the whole book like i i wanted to say i took a lot away from it what i took away from it was i'm a i'm a stupid ape <laughs> 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 i would be curious I, I would be interested to know how he he felt joe rogan felt when um he first talked to neil degrasse tyson because i'm sure he's fine about it now and i'm, I'm curious how it's really kind of how, how he's felt, uh, nervous wise in the beginning, if at all, I'm sure he wasn't. Cause he's kind of like, he, he was around before then, but for me, I was very nervous to record with my first guest. How, were you, were you in
1: that same boat? Our first guest was actually Brian. Uh, funny enough. Um, <laughs> I didn't
0: know that. That's cool.
1: Yeah. That was our first guest. Um, I was, I was kind of nervous, but cause at, at the same time though, like, uh, I met Brian through working at a comic book store that I was doing on as a part-time job. You know, the guys that were working there, they're like, Oh yeah, you should have him on your show. He likes comic books and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Not knowing at the time like what who Brian was, really. <laughs> so then I get down I sit down, I'm doing my research, and I'm just like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> this this guy's somebody, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I Tried to play it as cool as I could. Like, I, I feel like that's that's been like my interview process because I've interviewed a couple people since then. And I just try to be as chill about it as I can and just try to be funny and have jokes because I don't want them to feel like it's that, you know, oh, I'm your biggest fan. Oh <laughs> you know, and then you ask the same million questions they've heard every fucking time they get an interview, you know. Right. So when Brian came in, he sat down. And I, if I'm tr- I'm trying to remember how this all started, and I was just like, hey, why don't you tell some people about yourself? And he's like, he said something about like, oh, well, you know, how can I boast about myself? You know, or, it was something about like, you know, explaining who you are about yourself when some people know you. And I was like, OK, fine. Well, I'll do it. And I brought over my notebook that I took. That I was like, this is all from Wikipedia. <laughs> 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 and we just like went about it that way. And he had a blast. And I, I feel like that's probably what started our friendship was just, he could talk to somebody that made him laugh and he didn't have to feel like it was that Uber nerd stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, absolutely. And you have a really interesting in with, um, people like Mary San Giovanni and, and Brian and, uh, you know, name anyone that goes to scares. I care. Um, I think that's so cool. Like that's, that's something where you can probably, you know, you know, down the line, or even now, be like, hey, so guess who I know? And guess what stories I got? it It's just something that not everyone <laughs> has. And I, I think that's really neat. Thank you. I mean, it was funny. Like, I, for
1: some reason, never really thought that much about it at first. And that's not to downplay anybody that I know or have had experiences with right now. But it was just to me, it was like, oh, I've made some new friends. Like, yes, they're high profile people, but they're also just people. So I made some new friends. And I think one of the first times I was ever interviewed, you know, besides just like some other small venues, like Armand Rosamelia interviewed me for Armcast, mm. And that was one of his first questions. He was just like, you're just this guy that came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> 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 and, the, and now you're on the horror show. How, you know, he's like, that's, that's a seat that a, a bunch of other people would have wanted. Like, how the hell did you do it? And I was just like, well, it's not like I, you know, tricked people into letting me on or anything it was like i just met brian we talked and you know the next thing i know um you know i was on as an occasional guest and then i got brought on up full time and then from there i ended up being the
0: engineer <laughs> i actually um started listening around that time to his show uh because like you and unlike many people i've talked to i didn't read much in high school i'm not saying you did that but i didn't read brian keen um until right now, I'm actually reading Ghoul. That's the first one I'm reading. Um, fantastic. You'll love it. I've torn through 40 pages so far. It's an easy – I'm, I'm starting to realize that like books like uh, Keen write. I got uh, the Hollower that's on my t- uh, TBR, um, and I got Brian Lumley's Necroscope, uh, Richard – layman's in the dark uh mm. they all they they all came highly recommended I, I i have a feeling i'm going to tear through those but the first leisure book i read was uh the girl next door and i had friends that said don't let that be the first catch them so i was like okay that'll be my first one <laughs> i tore through that and i'm noticing like there's definitely a difference of like this new new writers writers that are good and then people those people that i just mentioned they're right they're so much fun to read i i feel like i could just tear through all those books and i'd still want more but um going back to what i was saying earlier i i never read brian until now i wish i did i wish uh, i was a kid that knew um that leisure existed back in high school when they were still a thing what books did you typically read in high school
1: oh man high school became that time where i didn't get much reading done because, uh, well, to be frank, girls became a thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's high school girls became a thing. Uh, you start your drinking career at 14 and, uh, <laughs> you know, as soon as you can get a car, you're like, okay, well, anywhere but home is where I'm going to be. So, uh, reading. Yeah. I didn't get a whole lot of reading done in high school. I, I wish I could. I mean, I was buying books at that time. You know, I was buying like, uh, oh, What the hell was that? I I think the cell cell came out when I was in high school. Like I was still. Yeah, yeah, I was still buying King books through high school and I didn't delve that much into what more like other authors there were in the literary world at that time. Just because, like I said, I was preoccupied with other stuff and, you know scraping by on grades um because <laughs> yeah there's besides all the party and stuff you do have to sit down and go like okay well i i have to
0: pass this stuff so <laughs> i had to buckle in <laughs> okay so i guess i hit the nose nose on the head without real that that's not the expression i definitely uh called it out right without even realizing that you didn't read a lot in high school either um i just found that the curriculum kind of beat the whole point of reading for fun out of me. Well, yeah,
1: there was that too. Cause like you, that, s- you spend all day with your face, your nose in a book, you know, and you're like, well, I'm going home now. I'm not going to read more. <laughs> Plus I got a homework I got to do yet too. <laughs> yeah.
0: I remember the one that did it for me was all quiet on the Western front. Maybe I'd like it now, but I remember in high school I was like, okay, so if I had the choice between hitting myself in the face with a brick, over reading this book i choose to break (laughs) oh man now that you
1: mentioned i was so pissed in high school because there was i with all due respect to kill a mockingbird is a fantastic book but i had to read that five separate times for different english uh classes oh Oh my god (laughs) and it's just like when i got to high school i'm sitting here thinking like okay I'm in my junior year. There is no goddamn way now that I'm going to read this book again in this English class. Hmm. And I happened to get with the one where they read that. And I was one. Oh, wait, what would you call that? Like class shift or like, you know, like rotation, I guess you would say from being in a class that would have read Beowulf. Oh man, that would have been and fun. When I was like, I've read Beowulf. I love the story of Beowulf. Why the fuck do I have to read? <laughs> it and it was fun, cause I at, at that point, I read it so many times that I just copy and pasted my fucking work from the previous time I did it because I was like, I it's I still have it in my computer from
0: last year. <laughs> yeah, Beowulf, that was uh that's like that's a horror right there. And that's the oldest. uh Isn't that the oldest text that we got from human story?
1: Yeah, if if I'm
0: correct, it was a
1: poem. Right. Yes, it was a poem. Yeah. yeah, there was a poem, and then like they found the translations, and then there's like 19 million different ways it was translated. I always find that interesting. Uh, much like uh Inferno and uh, can't like the 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 don the Dante Alighieri's work. Like there's 17 different iterations of how that story is told. Mm. And like you're just kind of like, well, which one's the true one? <laughs> but. <laughs> like yeah beowulf i i love the story of beowulf because it just it has everything you yeah yeah you have, you have monsters you have like a conan type story of this guy who's just unnaturally good at what he does but there's really no reason behind it but then you find out that he's basically lying about everything <laughs> <laughs> and like it, it's just it's so good it's like it, it has like a lesson in humility along with like monsters and like dark age stuff and you know it, it's like this fantasy horror everything like wrapped in the one and yeah like and then, and then they went and made that
0: movie <laughs> Ugh. yeah was it, that was with uh what russell crowe oh i was talking about the cg one uh, wasn't there one with russell crowe
1: or maybe you're thinking a gladiator i don't
0: know man they're all <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so uh I mean- you you could put Russell Crowe in there; it wouldn't have changed the thing anyway. <laughs> He's in South Park too. He did pretty good there. Yeah, he was fighting around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's another show that I like. That uh, I think is grandfathered into the whole can get away with anything. I mean, yeah, for
1: for for like to be on Comedy Central, which is a like, like an actual like syndicated network, and being in a time slot where you can get away with saying fuck. <laughs> I think
0: you made it. <laughs> um, let's talk about your first book that you published, Edge of, Edge of Twilight. Um, sure. Yeah, what was that process like? Were you, were you nervous to release it? What was the feedback like? Oh man, I was I was deathly nervous to release that. Um,
1: the the very first book I ever ever wrote, which I'm rewriting and releasing next month actually, uh, was called The Demon in the Glass. That is. You can get a free version of it on Smashwords right now, but that version of it's going to be obsolete pretty soon. But, you know, that book was when I was first getting into the whole like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start writing novels hmm. because I've always, always wanted to. Even from when I was a kid, I remember like I got a typewriter from a yard sale when I was like a kid. They're were, they were like, oh, you know, a dollar. I'm like, OK, fine. and I just <laughs> sat there and like typed. And I was just typing up these stupid stories that like, I, I wish I still had them because it would just probably be like dinosaurs are bad and they're mean, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, I always wanted to write books and I got to the I got to a, I, was, I think I was reading like I was working my way through the Dark Tower oh. series. And I was like, you know what? Like, I fucking love this series. Like this reinvigorated me. Like, I'm doing this so I sat down and I think it took me four months and I wrote demon in the glass. And then I kind of just the podcast stuff started and like, I was doing all that work. So like writing kind of took a a really big backseat for a while. Hmm. And the whole time we're doing the podcasting stuff, I was like, you know, I I wanted to start the podcasting because I wanted to get more of a like not persona per se, but I wanted to get like a, a presence in a sense, like on the Internet. I wanted to have a name for, you know, so if I put out more books, people are like, oh, yeah, that's that guy that has that podcast. So doing that for so long and not writing, I, I started getting that intro. I'm like, all right, fellas, like I, I love that we all love doing this, but there was more to it than this. And I hmm. got to stop doing that. So that's when we back down to doing one episode. And we had actually taken a break in between. Uh, I think we were we weren't recording for like, I think it was two months. And in that span, I started writing these short stories for this book. The, f- uh, Oh, my God. I can't remember the name of that story now. <laughs> it, was, it was the one about the Sasquatch. I can't remember what I titled uh, it. now. It, it um, Wells. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the first one I wrote when I was going back to start cut like write making stories and the first draft of that i absolutely hated because i was I, I was like this sounds so rough it doesn't make any sense you know like why would this guy do this and why would this thing do that and like i was picking it apart and i almost stopped myself from writing anything else but you know my wife god bless her and i feel like everyone who's ever succeeded at anything usually has a woman behind them to thank for it um, you know, God bless my wife, but she was like, don't, you can't give up on this. You have to keep going. Like, it's going to get better. You need to just practice. And you know, if you don't practice, it's never going to go anywhere. Mm. So I followed her advice. You know, she would read stuff. She's my editor too. Oh, okay.
0: Um,
1: yeah, th- that helps.
0: <laughs> yeah. <nice>.
1: Um, <laughs> so, you know, I just, I started pumping stories out and like one of my favorites from that collection was the stairs. Mm. Um, that's one of my favorite stories like is it's also based on like a a creepy pasta, where it was just, you know, people would find stairs in the woods. But then I added the whole like cosmic horror element to it because I just cosmic horror is kind of like one of my favorite genres. And I kind of I try to work it into a lot of things that I do. Yeah, it was just. I just wanted a different gamut of like, that was the original idea. It was like, Oh, I want a gamut of like a bunch of different things. And then, you know, most of them were about hiking in the woods, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I, I had a blast writing that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then like when that got out, like it, it it did pretty decently. And then like, I started the group and a good, like there's like 164 members in that group. Uh, I think I had sent you an invite actually as well. Um, I'm a member of it. <laughs> oh are you okay? told right? Yes, 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 yeah, I'm a member. Okay, cool. <laughs> I can't keep track of them <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like I got that done, and like, I love writing the short stories for the group every month and i and i I feel like the members that do read every month can kind of see the like stages and how I've gotten better at what I do. Yeah, like because I feel and I'm like, I'm not trying to be cocky, but I for the first time in a while, I've been feeling confident about my work, that it's not just fly by night stories that I'm actually putting thought and, you know, there's cohesion to it. And people want to come back to read more of my stuff. And that was one thing that I never thought I would get to. And. Now that there's people that tell me like, oh, you know, you got it's good stuff. And I see reviews and there's like, you know, mostly three, five, three, four and five star reviews for most stuff. I'm just like, I, I can't complain, man.
0: Like, yeah, um, I I just sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say a walk on a winter's night, the last story in that collection, I think objectively and maybe subjective. But I feel like as a story, it was the best one. I'm not knocking the other ones but it i just thought it was such an interesting story i'm not going to describe it because it's i don't want to ruin anything i don't spoil it but basically the way you go about telling the tale of this protagonist and how things uh play out are very interesting and you had my attention the whole time so i i want to read more after reading your collection no oh, well, thank you man yeah of course. And I do agree that there usually is a smarter woman behind a man because my, <laughs> nobody in our community would know who I was until uh, if my wife never if I never met her. I would probably still be in Massachusetts doing working for a seltzer and soda company, um thinking I was going to be a, a screenwriter and writing horrors and uh, not focusing on the technical stuff. So. It would be garbage no matter how good the story is. It's just, you know, you gotta, you got to execute it. And I was not doing that until I met her. And she read my stuff and said, uh, Pat, you're mixing up your tenses here. And I don't want to read this shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> She didn't say it like that. <laughs> my word's not hers. But she did right. encourage – she read my – she's my earliest reader and she read my stuff. And then she got me a Kindle and I'm like, oh, I like reading. And then I got into – I read It. Uh that was right. one of my first Stephen Kings. I read The Stand. Why I read the first two Monk's books first, I don't know. But yeah, hey, I got the I, bug I, like you.
1: Well, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think The Stand was the second book I've read from him. So it was like I read Cujo and I was just like, Well, why don't I just take this giant bite out of the Stephen <laughs> King sandwich next? And the stand's probably my favorite. Yeah. Out of all his books. I, I love the stand. It's great. And I think I, I What was the other huge book of his I read recently? Uh, Under the Dome. Okay. Yeah. I read Under the Dome. That, that, oh my God, that's a journey. Like, it's a really good book, but dear God, it's like, I, it was, it was a while since I went through another really thick King book since I finished it. And that was like years and years ago. And I forgot like the journey of going through like (laughs) one of his real thick books. You just feel like, you come out and you're like, wait, what season is it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> My, the last long one I read by him, actually it was Dark Tower 4. I was thinking it was 11-22-63. The JFK oh, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah that's a good book too. It's so good. It's the, 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 the dystopia if JFK survived. Uh, yeah. That was scary, but then I'm looking at reality from right now to that and I'm like, I'm not sure which one I'd rather choose. I think the scarier things is like,
1: Remembering some of the stuff I read in these books and like how they're happening, (laughs) yeah, just like where do you get your clairvoyance from? (laughs) (laughs) Because I want to know if you have any other predictions because I want to start getting prepared right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I wish I could say, How could it get worse than a president that contradicts everything he says? And when he's called out on it, he's like, I didn't say that, but. Sir, there's video proof of it. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're fake news. Like, how do you go from that to a pandemic with uh, a, a Black Lives Matter revolution happening and killer fucking hornets and flying snakes and like, how do you? What simulation is this? Like, did we get uploaded into the wrong one? <laughs> See, I have a
1: theory that, um, it, you know, if anybody's a fan of Batman Forever, you might know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yes, I think- five of you are. i think we're all suffering from like uh jim carrey's brain drain machine like he sucked in everybody's thoughts and now we're just going through the the channels flipping very fast
0: that's hilarious you know what that's so funny that you, you bring up that movie because my dad took me to that and i was a little kid and i i don't remember this but he tells me uh danny devito's penguin scared me so much i ran out of the theater crying Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> so creepy in that. But uh, wh- what's Danny what's the, the DeVito creepier in? That or a particular scene in It's Always Sunny, Philadelphia, where he uh, is basically birthed out of a couch naked and greased up? I'm going to
1: go with the – well, see, I might do you one better. Um <laughs> is the naked couch birth thing worse than the one the, the episode where he shaves himself completely clean and then rubs himself down in in uh oh what's that stuff? Uh like the the lubricant for uh sanitizer. Yeah, there yes. we go. because oh. he just I just wanna be pure.
0: <laughs> I want to eat during either situation, but yeah, that's a tough that's a tough call, I'm not sure. I just—they're both terrible. (laughs) They're both, yeah. yeah, He—he's funny as hell. I—oh my god, I love him. And the fact that they started the uh, two—the three guys that started, it's always sunny. Basically, FX was like, "All right, here you go. You got the keys. This is what you want to do. Go for it." And they're like, "Wait, we got a show. We got to do everything." Uh, Can you imagine being those guys?
1: I mean, I would be on cloud nine, but at the same time, I'd also be like, "Oh, this is gonna be a lot of fucking work."
0: (laughs) because they act in it they write in it um and i think they produce it as well yeah Uh, i mean could you imagine even you're
1: at that point but then like one day you're just like working on your next script and then danny devito just walks into your office and is like hey guys (laughs) i'd like to be in your show (laughs) you're just like what like yeah i just want to be on the payroll (laughs) and you're like you're danny devito what the what it's just like i watched a couple episodes and i like it
0: (laughs) that's what blows my mind it, that is crazy. I'd be like, hey, I loved you and Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> I loved you and Matilda. <laughs> so, moving on to your other two books that are currently out Horrors untold Volume 1 and 2. Is there anything that you would like to dive into to maybe pull in some readers? Oh, boy.
1: Yeah, you know, this is one of those questions I should have been prepared for, but I wasn't. Um, <laughs> I, I would like, like with Horizontold, they are like the stories are a mishmash from like, I would say any like corner of the horror universe you'd want to go into. Mm -hmm. Like there, there's like I said, I do like to put cosmic horror in stuff, but sometimes it's just a little bit here and there, like an ending will happen. And then it's like cosmic horror at the very end. But the whole time you're going through it, it's like suspense or it's psychological. Um, A lot of the stories are, Sometimes they come from dreams that I have. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, I, I do keep like a little notebook on the side of my bed that like, because I'll forget if I don't write it down as soon as I wake up. Right. But, um, you know, a lot of stuff does come from my dreams. Uh, a couple stories were from people in the group. You know, I a couple times put out a poll like, what kind of story would you like me to write? You know, and I think the one was uh, a lot of people wanted me to write a story about sleep paralysis, Mm. which was something at a time was like really interesting to me because it was like everyone that suffers from it. They all see the same stuff. You know, it's usually like these three same entities. Like it's either just a regular shaped man or it's a tall man wearing a hat or it's an old woman, just like a, like kind of a crooked over like wiry haired shadow type person. And I was really interested by that. And so I did some research and then I was like, okay, well, what if like, what if these things come from like a different reality and their job is to make sure that people are sleeping? Cause if you don't sleep, then, you know, people will see this other reality and it's like your sleep. That's the only thing that's keeping you from, you know, being able to look through that veil and that I just, it kind of went from there. And then, you know, the main character eventually, like he just refuses to like he refuses to give in to their needs and then he becomes you know he he sees through and he sees reality for what it really is and not like the well-slept person would and then he just becomes one of them like that's how they make more of them you know just people that do not follow the rules you know so and that that's that's kind of like my process that's that's how i kind of do some stories like some of them follow like You know, normal tropes, if you will, from time to time. Um, Now, this will be in Volume 3, which will be coming out this October.
0: Oh, Um, okay. That's what I was going to ask you.
1: um, Yeah, yeah, it'll be coming out this October. Um, One of the stories that the group asked me to do, they're like, we want you to do a slasher story using COVID, but also it's a haunted house. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm just like. Are you guys just fucking trolling me right now? <laughs> but, but I sat down and I plotted it out. And then, like, I think it was one of my favorite stories I wrote this past year because it was just like I, I created um, I created an organization within the world of things that I write. I called it caps. It's uh, contain, analyze and protect. Kind of like uh, if you've heard of the SCP uh, Foundation. So this organization's job is to like catalog weird anomalies and like monsters and stuff like that and contain them that they're too dangerous or just monitor things. And uh, it it just basically starts with like the, the two agents for the company. They go and they find this priest who basically gave up on his he gave up on the faith because of like an exorcism that went wrong. And that was like his specialty. And, you know, they go to get him because the organization specifically wanted him. And, you know, they're telling him we got to go to this house because it needs to be exercised. It's like there's a portal in there, but we don't know where it goes. And we think you might be able to help us close it. At the same time, there is a guy in the attic who is like he's infected. But this version of covid uh, can infect your brain and make you like homicidal. Mm. So then he's plotting to um like they in the in this world I was making for the disease, there were safe spaces I I use. I know nobody can see it, but I use quotes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there were safe spaces where people could go to congregate to be, you know, like the, they would give you a room and you stay in that room of this house. And, you know, that will be your way of not being out in the hmm. world. It was like designed for people that didn't have homes or people that were traveling, you know, that kind of a thing. Think like Airbnb, but like, you know there's going to be more people in the house and you can't go outside the room. It's just to keep you safe during quarantine. Gotcha. So the, the slasher, the killer sets up the house. That's these people are going to investigate as one of these safe spaces to lure people in to kill them. So it, it and then the climax is kind of crazy and it makes sense. Cause it's like, they they're trying to figure out who the killer is, but nobody can understand. Nobody can figure it out because everybody has to wear masks to be safe. Oh, so it turns into a yeah, it it turns into a like, you know, they're holding people at gunpoint and they don't know who to shoot because it's just like, who is it? (laughs) And then in the meantime, the priest finds like this portal and it literally leads to hell. (laughs) Wow. So there's all these things going on at the same time. And like, I don't know, I a lot of people told me they it worked and they didn't think I'd be able to pull it off. And I was like, huh, well. Screw you! I did it.
0: <laughs> well, you got my attention. Now, do you have to read volume one and two to fully appreciate volume three? No,
1: I, they're all like independent of each other, honestly. I mean, the only thing that is that I do in conjunction through the books is like I, I mentioned the Caps organization. There's a there's one character from there that I usually write a story about in every book, and that's uh, his name's Major Sunderland usually I will have a story about him and it's going backwards through his life. Cause in the first story I wrote, he actually died. Okay. And well, like everybody died. It was like the world ended. It was spoiler like, spoiler uh... alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you don't know how it ended. So that's there you true. go. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what ended the uh, end of the world, but yeah. So that that's kind of like one of the only things that, that runs through in incongruency, but um, yeah, you, you could probably just pick them up. And start at any one of them if you'd like.
0: Yeah, because that that sounds so interesting. I want to read that. Um, does your wife edit all your books? Is it uh, just? Yeah. Was it, okay.
1: Yep, she edits all my work. Um, she I, I've even offered, I was like, you know, I can find, you know, I could pay people to edit. She's like, no, I, I want to be the first to read these. Like, she gets a kick out of it. Mm. You know, she, she loves reading my stuff, which to me is a, an amazing compliment, you know. Yeah sometimes you feel like, oh, what's well, my wife, you know, so they're, they're just going to say nice things. It's like, no. <laughs> as you said earlier in the podcast, you're like your wife's like, you got to f- stop fucking up your tenses.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Even if I and I'm not saying I ever will be. Even if I was at Joe Rogan's level, I would forever be grounded as long as I was married to my wife. Because she uh, she not that she would like try to knock me down, but she'll keep me grounded to say the least. Well, I mean, that's good, though. That that's that's a good thing to have you know <laughs> oh if i didn't have her i'd probably be dying at a at, at a young age for being pretty stupid about god knows what i don't even know what. i don't have a good example but i mean she keeps me <laughs> smart and sane <laughs> um well then tell her i said uh, personally i said thank you for doing what you do <laughs> does this mean we're friends now <laughs> oh, oh shucks <laughs> oh shucks now I am interested in Volume Three, so um, maybe we could get you on in October uh to promote that. That'd be fun. Get I'd, love, on. I'd love to come back on, man. That, that'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get Brennan on for that one um if he's not too busy. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on to one thing that I wanted to bring up before we branch out. Uh, so you're into Cosmic Car. I love it too. It's awesome, but. The neat thing about your situation, again, and uh, I'm only saying this in admiration, is you have arguably one of the most uh, interesting modern-day cosmic horror writers, which is Mary San Giovanni. And I, I talk to her every now and then, too. She's one of the sweetest people that you'll ever talk to. So, uh, yeah, Mary, Mary's amazing. Yeah, so I was going to ask, is uh, d- does she ever read any of your stuff
1: early on? Uh, yeah, I think she she's read through uh, Edge of Twilight, And I think she's read through *Horizons Hold* Volume One. They had just—I had just gotten them Volume Two because we were doing the whole uh, quarantine thing, and it wasn't until like a week or two ago that we started recording in studio. Okay. So they're gonna read through that, but yeah, like she's she's read my work, and she she's told me she's like, you know, you you got it. Like that was one of my defining moments for me was when I gave Brian a novella I was working on that has been submitted, and I was like, you know, just read it i know it's not perfect but just tell me what you think hmm. you know and then when he gave it back to me and he's just like yeah you can make money doing this oh wow Holy i shit. was just like <laughs>
0: i just got chills for you man that's awesome i was just like bite my lip like thank you <laughs> <laughs> <someone wouldn't> cry. <laughs> well when he tells a story and one of I, I started listening to his older episodes uh Probably, I don't know, months ago. I, time means nothing anymore. But when he <laughs> said that him and um, I think he was talking about his friend Coop and Jesus were uh, – they got Richard L- Layman to uh, just listen to them talk for like two hours about their book and how yeah. Lehman would just kind of be – he was their friend. He Brian's also someone that doesn't forget his roots. Um, no. th- I think that's what keeps you grounded too. And, uh, it doesn't hurt that he's got someone like Mary, um, always by his side, uh, women are smarter. It's my opinion. <laughs> it definitely doesn't <laughs> hurt. So it's really cool that like you can go to them. I've Mary's Mary's been really sweet when I've talked to her too. Um, and other people that are established like Jonathan Mayberry, I kind of, Brennan said I fangirled with him when we talked to him last week. I think I did, but I love weird tales and whatever. Um, he laughed, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you can't <laughs> help but kind of take a step back. Because it's not just for, like, you or me. It's for anyone that's not a dick <laughs> and anyone that's not being a bully. You can approach people that are very successful. You can talk to Paul Tremblay or Josh Mallerman. I'm not saying they're going to talk to everyone, but I am saying that they will approach you if they are – Uh, able to have the time and you're polite and that is uh, if we didn't have the internet you would have to write to their publisher or to their agent and i I just think it's so cool that we we are able to live in this world like we're talking right now probably what like three hours apart and we would not know each other if it wasn't for the internet
1: well yeah exactly exactly
0: and um yeah like you said about
1: uh keeping your heads keeping your headspace together and being well grounded like I, you know, if I ever reach to the, the, you know, the Brian Keene levels or this, you know, even beyond that, I reach to the Stephen King levels or whatever. I still want to be a person that, you know, if somebody who's starting out wants me to see something of theirs, I, I want to be open about it because I, I probably didn't have to go through a struggle like a lot of other people starting out had to because I got lucky and I had those friends that were already in the industry. Hmm. but you know like i also know starting out before i met them when i was writing my first book i'm like well what the hell do you do right where do you put this how do you publish this who do you get it to to get physical copies like and i shit you not i went to you know, locally to us, we have a place called Nefra. It's like a major printing, you know, like place. Mm. And I like went in there with a book and I'm like, how much does it cost me to get like just a couple <laughs> copies of this made into a book? And they're just like, they're looking at my my files and they're just like, well, I don't know. Like, it'll probably cost you like 14 or 15 bucks a book. And I'm like, oh, I I can't fucking do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, if I have to charge, if you're charging me 15 and I have to charge like 30 to make money off of this, I'm like, who's going to buy this book for the right? <laughs> So like, you know, I had no idea back then, but it was like being with them like, I, yeah, I get I get to learn stuff that maybe some other people don't. But I also would love to pass that on because I don't want new writers and stuff to have to feel floundered. I, I would like to be able to help, you know,
0: that's great. Um, I I think that's really admirable and that's something that the world itself needs and horror is whether people say they go to it for escapism or not it, it is to some point uh for everyone but yeah so when i started out in 2013 when i i've always written um just like most writers i've written my whole life but when i was like i want to be a novelist uh as in 2013 again due to my wife making me uh, realize i love this and i forgot about how much i loved reading when i was younger um i didn't know what to do i i self-published one book i personally for me i hated the experience because i had to go and buy a freelance uh, editor that um i had to script vet them uh one one guy <laughs> was giving me shit for being a horror writer because he said what do you like to uh see people suffer so that that was a quick conversation oh um, for the love of god <laughs> and i re- i did a little research on this guy and he, uh, edited someone's science paper on whales and somehow it turned into a religious thing. So I, I just said, I don't want to do this shit. I, I just want to, um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like that guy shouldn't be editing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to publish. I just want to be a writer. Um, and it took me like five years to really get my voice and figure it out and it i wish that i met certain people before then like now i know people and they can be like yeah you should check out this or read this book to you know learn how to become a better writer and it it took a lot of research like i'm sure it did for you yeah and
1: you know like i said i i will help you know ask any questions that i can to help people out i mean there's there's a couple people that you know, through the horror show and through Twitter and you know the internet's and everything that I've become friends with that you know just kind of came out of the woodwork after being you know starting being on the horror show, and you know I've been helping some people in the background already. Like they'd sent me a work, like oh they, you know tell me what you think about this, and I, I've read some people's short stories. There's some really talented people out there mm. that just need to not be afraid to step forward. That's you know that's what I'll say if. You know, If you're listening to this and you know who you are that I'm talking about, that's that's what I'm saying to you right now. You are talented. You should go out there and do this.
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah, sometimes that's all it takes because um, I've read uh, from other people that they're just like, how do I do this? I don't have time or my mom or my wife uh, – I can't remember which – says that. This is a waste of time. Um.
1: It's
0: never I, a waste of time. No, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's never a waste of time. If, if you f- Also, if you feel like you don't have the time, literally adopt the idea of just sitting down and writing for an hour. Hmm. Just pick an, an hour out of your day every day. Just sit down. Whatever you get out is what you get out in that hour. But eventually, you'll find that you'll be able to write more within that hour, and then you'll want to go beyond that hour, and you'll start making the time to do this.
0: For sure. That's,
1: that's, that's kind of how I got back into doing it.
0: Okay. That Before we move on to that, just to be, piggyback on you helping people, for those listening, Matt helped me uh, with podcasts. And every time I asked a question, you didn't make me feel like an idiot. So you, Michael David Wilson of This Is Horror, Shane Douglas Keane of Ink Heist, and Scott Kemper of uh, Staring Into the Abyss, four podcasts that I like and... Uh, I mean, you guys are all doing it. Um, yeah,
1: I I will never make somebody feel stupid if they're coming to ask me a question. Like, yes, you might feel like you have a stupid question. But honestly, when you start out, every question you're going to have is going to feel stupid, <laughs> <laughs> Like, especially with podcasting. Like, it's not as easy as turning a switch on and just going at it. Like, there's a lot to it that you're not going to know right
0: off the bat. For sure. And haven't you reached a point where you're – are you editing multiple all these shows on the Brian Keane network? Yes, every show oh on God. that network I'm editing, <laughs> including Grindcast. How? <laughs> How do you have the time,
1: man? Well, I I just – I've always been really good at time management. Again, not to toot my own horn, but I've, I've just – it's always been a knack that I've been good for. I just like, you know, this slot of time, this is what I'm going to get this accomplished. And I get it accomplished, and
0: then I just move on to something else. So – it's just how I've always been. Do you have like a um like I know for editors they got like a, a shot list or what have you. Do you have any kind of reference to say, okay, I edit this out, I did that out, cut this much? Do you have anything that guides you while you're editing other people's shows I kind of I I j I kinda I kinda make it as simplistic
1: as I possibly can for myself. Because if I if I went it's crazy with the editing, the podcast stuff as I do writing. I would have post-it notes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like I would have a coffee table covered in post-it notes. How I usually do it to make everything sound really good. Um, if you want me to go through my step-by-step process of editing an episode, is that what you're asking? I guess
0: in a nutshell, how, how you manage to edit each one that's okay. not like your show. Okay, so basically I will get the audio in whatever
1: form it comes in, like what's known as the raw audio. And I would recommend this to anybody who's doing a podcast. There's an app you can download. It's called the CN Levelator 2 app. What this app does, it'll make your life so much easier, regardless of the audio between microphones. So like, say you're using one mic that's an omnidirectional, but one of the persons in the room has this tendency, will... (laughs) <laughs> where they <laughs>
0: where, where, where they like will to, <laughs> yeah fucking will man
1: where they like to start off talking and then they just kind of do one of these and they just trail off and uh, so so this thing will take all the levels regardless of where they are and it brings them up to the highest level so everybody's audio is on the same peak so then you can bring that back into Audacity run it through some compressors, do some equalization stuff. And one of the other things I always do is when it pops in the audio track and you can see where all the decibels are, I look for major cracks. So like you'll see where it splits if there's too much dead air and I will go in and I will edit out as much dead air as I can and I also try to edit out ums as much as I can. Yes. I get to a, I get to a point where I just get tired of it and I'm just like, fuck it, thirsty. <laughs> like, I'll get like three quarters of the way through. I'm like, I can't, keep, I can't, I can't.
0: <laughs> now, on that note, on ums, I've noticed after editing, this is the 26th episode I've, I've, I've recorded. Yeah. I've edited most of them. So I've noticed... No matter who it is, that um has a very distinct, uh, what's it called? A sound a pattern? A waveform? Yeah, yeah. waveform.
1: Yes, yeah, so it has a very distinct sound pattern. It just starts like a brick wall and then fades out. <laughs> God, I can see him from a mile away. <laughs> I've been doing this for so long. I just want uh, to shoot them all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can tell when there's going to be an um, and I can tell when there's going to be like a, like a lip smack. Cause that's just like a straight up and down line that goes from the ceiling to the floor on the waveform. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because this is like, I, I consider it to be a job right now because mm-hmm. I've been, I'm doing it essentially full time. And, um, it, it's a job I never thought I'd be doing. You know, I, I always thought, you know, I'll have one podcast. And if that makes it great, you know, like my, my admiration for the pod for Grindcast at first was like, I want to create a job where maybe these two friends of mine will be able to quit their jobs and this will be what we do. And we're all just going to have fun, you know, and, and it turns into a daily thing and we have like a radio show out of it. That, that was like my goal with Grindcast. Um, not to put anybody down that has a podcast that pie in the sky dream is a very, very high pie to yeah. reach. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it can't be done, but like, don't, don't go in. Like I thought guns a and then get to that point where you feel really depressed. Cause you know, it's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> I do this um, for fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's what I would recommend. Do a podcast for fun with your friends. Don't think about, uh, you know, if it's going to make you money or not, because it, it, it's not always the case, but you know, I'm loving doing this and writing as a job right now. And I, I, it's like that phrase where you do something you love, you feel like you never work a day in your life. And I, I feel like I'm finally at that point. That's awesome, And man. yeah, I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, like, you know, money could be a little bit more, of course. I mean, everybody sure. would want more money, but you know, just the fact that I can do it is like, it's a, it's a gem to me.
0: Um, I, I agree. And, I'm not going to name the author because I don't know if they would want me to name them, but one of my – who I became friends with, uh, an author recently said um, – I, I told her, I'm like, I never thought that you would be talking to me, not because you're not like nice or anything. I just like I've, – I've known of you for years and uh, I just – I thought you and other authors that were big just didn't <laughs> talk to people that you didn't know basically. Right. and and now we're like we're good we're friends and she goes you're a podcaster that's kind of like a big deal and i I thought about i'm like i guess they're really ratio wise i guess we're kind of out outweighed uh as far as like population in the community to how many people actually do this right and it's weird to think of that it's fun it takes a lot of work but so what's your advice for people that are thinking about it? Because I guarantee there's going to be at least one or two that are going, nah, I, you know, I kind of want to do it, but I don't know. Just like writing, where the hell do I begin? Now, you broke down your process. That That's great. Do you have any other advice where you would say, hey, this is what I would do or whatever?
1: Are, are you, You're you uh, gearing that towards writing?
0: Um, I'm, gearing, I'm sorry. I'm gearing that towards podcasting. But if you want to do oh, okay. writing too, that'd be fine.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll feel both if you want. Um, yeah, I I'll start with the podcasting side of it. If you want to start, I would say first find some friends that, you know, either you, you, you all can find a perfect time to do it together. Not saying that you can't do a solo podcast. There are people that are able to do it, but in my, in my personal opinion, it's better to have other heads to bounce ideas off of. So I would always say have a couple friends, either, you know, two or just one other friend that you can both, you know, get a time together. And I would just I would just record a couple, you know, just fuck it. Episodes is what I called them when we started, just like <laughs> seeing how it goes, seeing how your energy works. You know, if you guys can think of things to talk about together, you know, I I over the years have started keeping a little notebook that I keep on the desk where I write all the news down that we can talk about and we don't always talk about every news topic i have on there there's stuff that never gets touched but you know have ideas that you're going to talk about you know come brainstorm your niche that you want your podcast to be about um i would say if anything that would be the most important thing cuz it, it when we started grindcast was like it encompassed everything about pop culture and i think that Sometimes was daunting to certain people because they're like, well, I don't want to hear this. I want to hear you guys talk about, you know, either games or I want to hear you talk about comics. I don't really care about movies or I don't care about video games, you know, so maybe pick a niche market to stick your podcast in. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you do your first couple recordings and you get through the editing part of it and you still feel like it's something that you want, fucking go for it, man. Like sky's the
0: limit. Absolutely, and just to kind of jump in on your show, um, I do love how you cover everything. But what I particularly love about it is you guys know your shit with video games. It's not just your opinions on this game's good or not, uh, but you guys are actual fans of like the hardware. Which I may I got a uh uh was it God I can't think. I got a degree in computer electronics. I grew up a video game kid. Mm-hmm. This didn't happen. I work at a shit plant. I work at a wastewater treatment plant. But what oh. I wanted to do coming out of school was what one of my friends that graduated with me did is work on a uh, coin slot arcade games, which obviously that probably wouldn't <laughs> have been great because uh, I don't know of a whole lot that are around. But I I love the um just how they work. I like the programming. I like the hardware, I like the discussions of it. Yeah. You guys know your shit, and you guys know price points of things that I would not even think of. Um, it's really interesting, and you guys got a news aspect too, so it's 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 a good show. I uh, I would recommend. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. So about writing, what would you have for advice on uh, future writers? So for future writing or anybody
1: who's thinking about starting to writing, it, it almost actually just coincides with how I said about podcasting. Now um, I would get yourself, you know, your group of close friends, you know, just tell them like, Hey, you know, this is something I always wanted to do. I know we, yeah. You know, if, if you're like me and my friends, it, it's kind of like always that, like, you just rat on each other all the time. You just give each other shit constantly. <laughs> but then you kind of just pull them back and just go, hey, I, this is something I've been serious about. So if I hand you something to read, would you guys read it? You know, have have your little close group of friends or as I like to call it, your campfire uh, and just write, just write whatever comes to your mind. Don't worry about if your punctuation is correct. Don't worry about sentence structure. Don't worry. You know, don't worry about any of that stuff. Just write it. Get it out there. Get it on some paper. Get it on a computer. Just do it. Hmm. You can worry about that stuff later. You know. Per- yeah, that's perfect. And uh, give that stuff to your friends. Just go, hey, you lo- it's gonna. It, it might sound like a kindergarten kid wrote this, but, but tell me if the idea is good. <laughs> you know.
0: Uh, yeah, that's great. I think that is helpful advice. Um, I don't know how to segue into this. Uh, we talked about you talked about Armand Rosamia earlier. Yeah, uh, I got I, I um, I talked with him. I don't know. I don't know months ago, whenever the pandemic started, I guess. And uh, yeah. yeah, he was on an episode 2 and he that guy is so easy to talk to. Uh, he oh, yeah. has he's got interesting stories, and he had a he had a Brian Keene story that was funny as hell. <laughs> but have you i know you're a fan of the mondo method his his podcast yeah ham and chuck's uh back and forth they crack me up
1: oh yeah they they, they both have really good chemistry together and you know the information that they give out is extremely helpful too like yeah i i've directed a, a couple people that way when they're like you know hey where's where's good reference material or something i can listen to it's about writing i'm like go check out this podcast like the information they give out to people that are just starting on writing is valuable beyond belief. And it's free. Opinion. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely free and it's fun to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not just a boring slog of like, you know, hearing a, you know, like college professor explain journalism or
0: something. <laughs> it's, it's entertaining. And, uh, idiot is constantly used directed at poor old Chuck Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called that by uh, Armand, but I've called myself an idiot, and he, Armand has no hesitation to back up my uh, comments. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, think that's because he likes you. (laughs) I like him, too. I was really hoping to meet those guys at the uh, book sign, the uh, Beers and Fears, but obviously that didn't happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was was a lot of things that were going to be firsts for me, too, as far as conventions go, and. It just didn't happen, and, and it really stinks. I'm hoping, you know, someday that it will be safe again. I, being the uh, cynical person that I am, I don't think that's going to happen for a long time. Like, I know some of these things are rescheduling for 2021, but I don't even think that's going to be a reality. Mm. Unfortunately, Maybe like, not. and that—that's just me playing the the safe card. In all honesty, but. You know, uh, around here, we've had restaurants and stuff reopen, and I'm like, nope, not <laughs> doing that yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, conventions, uh, that was going to be completely new to me. I was going to go with my family to Scares of Care. I was going to meet all of you guys, um, uh, you, Brian, uh, and everyone else on the show, yeah. um, at that farmer's market. What was it, Steve? Co- um,
1: oh, uh, Air Studio, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah,
1: Steve Kozunewski's wife's a, yep. balloon studio, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was really pumped to do that. I was going to meet you guys there. and uh, I was happen. pumped to go to an
1: air uh, a balloon studio. I never even knew <laughs> something like that existed. <laughs> like, when he first
0: told us, that, I was like, that's a fucking cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> the only – the one that I thought was going to happen was Christopher Golden's uh, Merrimack Book Festival in Haverhill, Massachusetts. And, uh, yeah, that got canceled too. So Yeah. I don't know, man. It's my friend. One of my buddies, I don't know if you've heard of him, Michael Clark, he wrote uh, The Patience of the Dead Man. It's oh, just, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, um, he was like, you want to go to a, a Stoker Cone next year? I'm like, yeah, God, 150 bucks, and that's uh, that's starting out cheap. Uh, I'm going to have to pass for a while, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It, it's.
1: I mean, thank God there's virtual stuff happening, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like a uh, CoronaCon that was neat. I got to listen to a few people.
1: Yeah, and then there's uh there's that book buzz, uh, buzz book expo coming up. And
0: uh, yeah, I've talked to Mirror. I'm gonna advertise that on the show up until it happens. I wanted to. We talked about me being involved in it, and then I talked to my family, and uh, I gotta go to a uh, our summer area that we go to in the. Uh, in August every year, so I don't know what the hell we're gonna do, but I gotta, you know, get a, get out of my house for a little while. Yeah. You know, man, if you're cool with wrapping up with two more questions, then I think that I got one that I'm interested in hearing. Totally fine with that, man. What are you currently reading?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I'm currently reading several things. Um, <laughs> I'm still working through, uh, If It Bleeds. Oh. Uh, I bought that during the pandemic, but it was just, I, there was, I was doing all that shit with like the daily edits and like (laughs) all that. It just took me a while to get through that since I like cryptids. I was also reading a book. It's a monsters of Pennsylvania. It's like one of those little self published books that goes down through like all the different stories of people's encounters with this and that and everything else. I was reading, uh, a book that I, I read when I was a kid, I just wanted to revisit it. It was uh, Charles Grant's uh, Raven. And uh, what the hell's the other thing I'm reading? I can't remember right now. So that probably means I'm not. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Brian dropped me off a bunch of the uh, Swamp Thing graphic novels. So I'm reading through Alan Moore's Swamp Thing again.
0: Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. Um, you know what I got at... Actually, why why did it word it like that? Like that's probably impossible to guess. But what I got at a antique store or a thrift store uh, recently were two tales uh, from the Crypt magazines from the nineties. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, I got. They were both three bucks each. I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to get it. I'm not big into uh, like Superman and all that, but I found them in a pile of all that stuff. And uh, the same, uh, it's like a an antique mall, I guess is the best way to phrase it. I I've also found there this thing, uh, it's just called HP Lovecraft's Cthulhu. It's three volumes. Um, oh yeah. I think I have that too. Or one, I'm sorry. One volume. Yeah. It's really cool artwork. And then the other one was, uh, Neil, uh, Gaiman's The Sandman, but it's, it's called Orpheus. So I don't even know if it's the first one. It says it's a uh, number one. So I don't, I don't know how many there are. I
1: I like anybody looking for good comic book stuff. Like Sandman is fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, I heard you guys talking about it on the horror show, and I'm like, okay, well, it's Neil Gaiman. You guys recommended it, so uh, yeah, that's a it's a quick. Yeah, answer. usually when it's when it's Neil, you can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, I I don't know if you've seen Mirror Mask. Um, that is a movie he wrote, and it's it's like a family movie. It's a weird English one, but. It's, uh, you could watch it as an adult. I still watch it all the time. It's really neat. Um, this girl, her parents own a traveling circus, and, uh, they have to sell it, and she ends up basically in a world that's relatable to Alice in Wonderland or The Wizard of Oz. Um, oh, it's, it's just really strange. They use a lot of CGI, but it works in this case. Yeah. I might like to check that out. Yeah. Um, and then I just finished today Crossroads by Laurel Hightower. Yeah, I, I want to get that book. I've been hearing many good things about it. So that is definitely on my top ten list. It's uh it's short. You could read it probably in a few days. It's like a it's 110 pages. She can write ghost stories. Those are amazing. And then uh like I said, I'm reading Brian Keene school, and then an anthology by Grindhouse Press, Worst Laid Plans, that just came out today. Um, yeah. So I
1: ol- I, I almost submitted to that, but I just I, I
0: didn't make the cutoff date. Oh, that's a bummer. I um I submitted to that, but uh I got I got a nice rejection from Sam, um uh, which I thought was awesome, and I uh <laughs> I was like, you know what, this is a lot better than a generic uh, you know we pass. Um I've gotten very few personal rejections, so I was like, I'll take a I'll chalk that up as a win. Yeah, man,
1: uh, I. Personal rejection, I would say, is literally like, hey, it just didn't work for this, but it's still good stuff, you know. If they take the time to give you a personal one, that's that's better than just getting the, hi, read your stuff, sorry, <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know. Which is probably good advice for any new writers, like don't take things personal unless someone's like, hey, your mom's a bitch. Like, wait, what? <laughs> well, yeah,
1: that, that's a different thing, but yeah, you, you bring up a good point. Like, a thick skin is a must. You you have to have it. And it is hard having a thick skin. I feel like being in the this industry that you want to get into, because most artistic people are more uh, open about things and their feelings can get hurt a lot easier, I think, than people that don't really care about art as much. I would say not 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 saying that you have to be artistic to, to care and have feelings. But, you know, I think we we wear our hearts on our sleeves a little bit more. And yeah. when people say, oh, like, I didn't like this, you take it, you take it like a personal attack, but you got to learn
0: not to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we uh, sign off today? Uh, I think
1: I, I think we covered a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, I think. I think we did a good show here. This is this is going to be a beefy one for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I was uh, looking towards this. Um, I so since you joined the horror show, which the first episode I listened to, I remember specifically because it was a big deal. It was called uh, it was the I think it was titled the Rise of Chizing, Chizing Uh, that publication that. Oh, uh,
1: Chizing. Yeah, Chizing, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I heard it on Twitter about this publisher. I'm like, okay, what's this about? And then I saw a podcast. I'm like, hmm. Then I listened to the episode. I'm like, okay, these guys are scumbags, but uh, this is a good show. I like it. And eventually, you were on more episodes. You're funny as hell. I'm like, I like where this is going. I didn't really want to focus on like you being the funny guy though, um, because that, I think you get enough of that. And you're, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're. I'm not trying to knock anyone, but like you're, you're a, uh, you're like anyone else that's an artist. There's more than one side to you. I yes. Think. I think we got that today, but how do you? I, I hope you feel that way.
1: Oh, I, I, I certainly do. And you know, um, I like being a funny guy, but at the end of the day, I'm more than just a Alex Jones guy or Dandelion <laughs> and all, all the other stuff that I got labeled as throughout <laughs> the year being on the show. But um, yeah, I, I like to be the funny part on the show just because I feel like some people have come to like like that in the show now i don't because it, it's not like it hasn't been funny in the past but you know i've had people compliment me like you bring a different dynamic to it that wasn't there before and you know you're a great addition and you know that warms my heart hearing that because sometimes i feel like after i leave i'm like you know i'm just here to be the the uh the darts the dartboard <laughs> just to see what what sticks and what doesn't but
0: yeah well it's, uh, Look at it through this way. I'm always thinking ahead of the, the future. Uh, when I talked with Jonathan Mayberry, he was saying his mentors were Ray Bradbury and Richard Mason. Now look at who Jonathan May- Mayberry is. And I, I'm not like trying to say, oh, you'll be the next Mayberry. I'm not saying you won't be. But, I mean, you, you listen. Uh, you're a good writer. Um, I'm just saying if you stick to it, you'll be someone that other kids look up to. I appreciate that. I really do, man yeah i mean it and uh i really do hope that uh we can hook up in october um i would love to i if i get a chance if you if it's an option i would love to be one of the first to read uh volume three because that one story holy shit how do you mix them and make them work you did it from the description so i gotta read that i love slashing (laughs) well
1: i i have one question for you yes So say things become safe, and I can come down to New Jersey.
0: Oh, I would love to hang out with you. Where are we getting getting beers? Oh, dude, I don't give a shit. I'll meet you wherever. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know New Jersey that well. (laughs) I've got places. Plus, you know, I don't know Tim Meyer that well, but maybe I could be like, yeah, JC Walsh. I'm friends with him. He's in Philly. So we were actually you know what <laughs> i apologize to everyone else that might not be interested but jc walsh and me uh we were going to hang out in philly at david busters because i'm like look man i like arcades um and i know you do too and then yeah. we were i was talking to them, i'm like can we maybe see if we can get like chuck buddha tim meyer and uh and frank edler there just to see what guys from the area would want to do it and I mean, I don't know what we would do, but I would I don't care where it is. We could find a place. Well, you
1: know, as soon as it seems a little bit safer, I'd be down for trying it, man.
0: Hell, yes. Um that's that's uh definitely in the game plan just whenever, you know, COVID's uh kind of gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where can people follow you? okay well you can follow me at
1: twitter at matt underscore wildeson um you can also if you want to reach out to me on facebook you can uh, matt wildeson there i don't use facebook that much i pretty much just post grindcast posts there um and if you want to reach out to me by email uh, my business email is thegrindedword grinded word at gmail.com
0: okay and um now after this show uh could you send me that link for your facebook group I'll post them in the show notes because I would recommend people check that out. It's, oh, yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool that you do a, a monthly um, short story. Plus you can participate in it, which is not something that every author does.
1: Yeah. I, you're a better promoter than I, <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> mention my damn Facebook
0: group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
1: you can also just search for horizontal too on Facebook, or you can use Patrick's uh, very, Uh, nice link he's
0: going to put down there yeah it's a nice link and treat it nice or um we'll be upset so matt (laughs) wilson i've been wanting to do this for a few months i appreciate your time i appreciate you we will get some beers together sir and thank you for being on today's episode i appreciate everything you do as well and i can't wait to come back on next time and brennan will be here and he will be the smart one of us too and you will get (laughs) smart questions
1: asked (laughs) (laughs) all right man have a good night You do the same. Thanks,
0: bud. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now reading.